0: Do you really want your company to stand out in the crowded digital space? Do you want to get more people to know, like, and trust you with your story? Authentic Web Video Marketing Agency can help you to collect those stories, the stories that sell, connect the stories to the situation, produce the videos that you need in each of the situations, and then use the latest techniques, including video ads, retargeting, and email to deliver those video stories. Authentic web is the video production and marketing agency trusted by top marketers to help their story stand out in a crowded space. Visit authenticweb.media to learn more. In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Use his video marketing knowledge red button, right? and use his friends. Please be on the show to change that. You are listening to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. <laughs> what? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so. Your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to another Garlic Marketing Show. I've got another historically great guest who's been uh, sold his first ebook in 1994. That's crazy for me to think of it, 1994, and then was webmaster for FedEx.com uh, from '95 to '98. Really, I mean, talk about a pioneer of in the internet, has seen it all. Uh, Kevin Donlan, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Hey, Ian. Thank you. And uh, crazy and Kevin Donlin are words that often are heard together. So um, we'll,
0: we'll we'll get off just fine on the first on the right foot here. I think. Awesome, awesome. So Kevin, you're. I mean, you, uh, this is. So you have copywriting skills, and this is a question. You know, I've been I've been coming up with more and more because I have yet to find many great marketers that don't have good copywriting skills. And even going back to like reading Ogilvy. Uh, you know OB on advertising he talks about the importance of copywriting would you say it's the most critical skill in marketing
1: well of course I'm gonna say yes because it's what I do all day (laughs) every day yes of course but you know to the best definition I ever heard of, of, of copywriting is salesmanship multiplied meaning you write one and you mail many or you write one and you you know delivered to many by email or you're broadcast to many by radio video whatever so it's salesmanship multiplied so if you back it up a bit david ogilvy was a door-to-door oven salesman he sold extremely expensive um i think they were uh, wood fired ovens back in the the 20s perhaps he went mm-hmm. door-to-door so anyone who's a door-to-door salesman if they're any good at what they do you could probably make that person into a very competent copywriter in a weekend no joke so if you can sell door-to-door, if you can sell on the phone, sell in person, you can probably make it as a copywriter. I had a, a middling career as a salesperson, frankly. It wasn't the best, wasn't the worst, but I loved it, tried to get better at it. And I guess that's another secret to anybody's success where it's marketing or other, otherwise. It's just a, a burning desire to, to be the best at what you do. So yeah, I think um, copywriting is it's incredibly valuable. If you can write clearly, you can think clearly. And if you can do that, everything else follows. So, copywriting is certainly um, a keystone habit, not a keystone habit. It's it's
0: a critical skill, I I believe. Um, So, what's your definition of copywriting? Because I mean, there I think there's a lot of people that think of copywriting as simply writing marketing copy, but Mm -hmm. I I feel it's it's a it's a stronger there's a stronger definition than than, that that out there.
1: I would just say it's words that sell. Um, You could also call it legal alchemy meaning you can create value out of thin air and you know thin air can be digital bits and bytes on screen or ink on paper but you know to me if you can write copy it means you can put string together words that sell that's uh, my
0: working definition i don't know if it's the best but it works for me awesome and you've worked with a lot of people across various industries correct
1: yeah um i do a lot of work with service business owners you and i were chatting earlier about a a client we have in common, he sells a very um, technical so He sells a, a marketing service to technical professionals. But um, yeah, I work typically business to consumer, but I also do a, a good a bit of a B2B work. Typically, I sell services or intangibles, but I've done work with e commerce companies, uh, do a lot of um, conversion rate optimization. I don't call it that because no one knows what the hell it means, but I do a <laughs> lot of tweaks to websites. Uh, it's funny. So one of my biggest successes, one of my easiest ones, it happened about a year, a year and a few months ago, I, <laughs> I think I made close to a half a million dollars in extra incremental free money for a client simply by removing a banner ad from the top of his sales letter. I wrote nothing. I removed a banner ad. I removed distraction. And he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, try this, test this, and bam, annualized revenue of 400 some odd thousand dollars simply by removing distraction. So I guess to loop back a bit and clarify your definition of copywriting, in almost every case, you first have to remove distraction. Uh, a muddled message, a confused mind says no. That's an old axiom in, in, in marketing. A confused mind will say no. So a lot of what I do is clarifying and simplifying. I'm a very simple person. I love simplicity. I have a fetish for it. And uh, if I can make a simple message that's irresistible and get it to someone in a way where they're not distracted and get it, you know, there's more to it than that. But that's a large part of the game. Just remove distraction, be clear about what you're asking for, and good things can happen.
0: I I love the idea of simplicity. And, you know, a lot of, I've worked with a lot of top entrepreneurs, top business owners, and that's been, for a lot of these guys, the word, right? And if you look at any of them, the simplicity it's really where where things t- take off. Um uh, mm-hmm. but how you know working on simplicity it seems simple until you try to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great definition. Yeah. Simpl- it's not as
1: simple as you think it is, right? No, it's <laughs> a lot of
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's I, a
1: very well you raise an important point. it's, it's a hell of a lot of hard work. To make something simple, any buffoon can be complicated. Just talk to—no offense, but talk to any ten government bureaucrats. They'll confuse the hell out of you. Yep. And you know, God love them. Everyone needs a job, but they're not. They don't. There's no penalty for failure. If you call ten different IRS
0: agents and get ten different answers, there's just—they're not accountable. Yep. But if you're not simple in your business, your business will never grow. So. You know, we we're talking about simplicity and how difficult it is. How, how lacking simplicity is fine if you're a government official because it's kind of job security. But it prevents a business from growing. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it prevents. It, I mean, I'm sure you walk in a lot of businesses that think that they need more complexity in, mm-hmm. in their business, and that's really what's preventing them from growing, right? I think there is an underlying
1: idea. It's insidious. It's that you can sound more sophisticated if you're more complicated. You'll get this, I don't know if you have kids, if you ever read an email from your child's uh, school district, and if it's written by a PhD, it's going to be hellish to get through because it's going to be complicated and there are going to be a lot of $5 words where nickel words would have done just as well. So I think a lot of people have an, a bias that I've got to sound sophisticated and be complicated in my language. I think that just creeps over into everything that most businesses do unless they're really proactive about watching out for it that's what I've seen
0: yeah and I, I mean you've been doing this for quite a while so I'm sure you've seen a lot of businesses uh, um, so you know when you walk into a business it and let's talk a little bit about your client cloning systems because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I like the idea of client cloning and your market multipliers and and mm-hmm. cloning your clients but Everyone's afraid of of doing this stuff. I, I don't know why it is, and they're afraid of being more simple in their message. They're afraid of going after the same client over and over again. They're, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you do you find that too? Well, let me um,
1: clarify. So, I have two businesses. Client cloning systems is my copywriting practice, and that's where I do individual projects for businesses. Typically, those businesses are two to twenty million dollars in revenue. Marketing multipliers is a series of tools that I produce every month and send out at the monthly subscription box, and that's for businesses doing about you know quarter million up to to ten million and more. So, having said all that, uh, when it comes to client cloning. To me, that idea is about more clients like your best clients. If you can get one ideal client, there's nothing to stop you from turning that into two, four, eight, et cetera. And, it's, it, and the way you do that is with retention um, and referrals. Those are two big ones. And the third would be resell- reselling, kind of the three R's. And we could talk about you know ways to do each of those. But just people – this is instinctive again. People will get a new client and they go, Great, that worked terrific. Now, on to the next one. And they'll just neglect all of the goodwill that they can generate, all of the extra revenue they can generate, the referrals, et cetera, just by taking really, really good care of that client and servicing the heck out of them. Uh, reactivating them if they haven't purchased from you in, you know, six, nine, 12 months, whatever. Uh, you know, ethically saying, Have you considered doing you, you, uh, We're looking at A here. Have you considered uh, 2A? Or B plus A, just giving people you know the biggest ethical combination of services that would do the the best job for them. Um, asking for referrals and earning referrals in a way that doesn't make you feel yucky. Those little you know those are things that your competitors won't see nine times out of ten. And yet they're some of the most profitable levers that you could you know turn in your business. So it's pretty exciting for me to get on the inside of a client with one project and then do two, three, four, five, and more over the coming months and years, just because I try to open people's eyes to, you know, the revenue that's on the table when they just do a few things a bit differently.
0: That's awesome. But yeah, you know, and that where I was going with that, and, and I think you're dead on, is is that simplicity that we all want more leads. And then everyone thinks that they want more leads when really the moneymakers in those places in their business, um, but they're afraid to do that stuff, Right. They're yeah. afraid to talk to their clients, you mean? They're afraid yeah. to well, yeah. afraid to stop like chasing leads. Mm-hmm. Afraid to stop to stop like the latest marketing thing instead of just mm-hmm. in, instead of getting one message. Mm-hmm. Do, do you do yeah. you find that a lot? Oh yeah. All the time. People
1: you know, it's maybe it's because it's boring or maybe because we're not doing the best we can and we don't want to hear from our clients or they don't want the feedback. But you know, nine out of ten business owners I'll talk to neglecting their clients. They're not being unethical about things. They're not being fly-by-night you know, shady operators, but they're not calling people. They're not mailing them some sort of communication every month, for example. Here's what I'm doing. Tell me how I can help you. They're not sending out helpful emails. They're sending out only commercial emails that just ask for the sale. They're not Bothering to educate their clients on here's how you could be using what I'm doing for you a little bit better and getting better results. So yeah, there's a you know there're 101 things people could be doing yeah. to take better care of their clients. If I had to give people the simplest, easiest thing that you could do, which is 100 percent success rate, zero percent screw up rate, you can't mess this up. It's to write and mail a thank you note. I just before we got on this call, uh, I got two orders. Uh, one's pretty good size from clients, and I had just written the first thank you note before we started talking. It's going out in the mail today. It's a little humble thing. People think, I'll just send an email or a text. No. A thank you note um, has all these benefits, right? It's a small little gift. That's what Harry Beckwith called it. He's the guy who wrote You Incorporated um, and, and several other terrific books. A thank you note is a little gift. It's probably the world's you know best return on investment for direct mail, especially if it's yeah. to a client who's just bought something from you, because... Just answer me this. Think of all the online purchases you've made, Ian, in the last 90 days. How many thank you notes have you got in the mail?
0: Yeah, uh, recently none. I, I've had a yeah. few in the past. You know, it, it's funny, too. Is I, I, I remember one of them being a really small software company, right? Mm-hmm. And they sent me mm-hmm. that thank you note. And you remember that, right? Of course. You keep those, too. We have drawers
1: of thank you notes. No one puts a a drawer full of nice emails. We don't print a thank you email no. and pack it to the wall. I got a, funny that you should say software company, I got a thank you note from a little software company about seven years ago. They're called GoToWebinar. You know, <laughs> ha, ha. They're not small, right? But this is a busy account executive. She wrote me a thank you note. And I've been an on-again, off-again client with GoToWebinar ever since. Many, many thousands of dollars. I've happily paid them. They've retained me. And I tell people this story, so I do all this free <laughs> advertising for a go-to webinar, no downside to a thank you note, and um, uh, the other thing is that you can engineer a smile on somebody's face. I know for a fact that when—and by the way, I'm going to get your mailing address after before we hang up—and you're going to get a thank you note from me. Just I'll tell you straight off, and I can engineer a smile on somebody's face because I know when you get a small square envelope, well, there are only two things that come in small square envelopes: thank you notes and party invitations. Neither one's a bad thing. Yep. So you're happy to open up either one of those. Contrast that with you know 99 percent of the emails you get, or most of the other direct mail you get. So a thank you note has got you know dozens of little benefits built into it. It's just uh, it's and then people overlook it because it's so small and humble. But it's it's a, it's really a big thing.
0: And to a very important point, it is marketing, mm-hmm. right? It's it's increasing absolutely. It's increasing your value in someone else's eyes, and. And and people, that's another thing. People discount often. I see is, is, is as as they discount all the important stuff in marketing and and what marketing really is. Um, so speaking of marketing, tell me a little bit about your marketing multipliers because we touched on that.
1: Mm-hmm. So marketing multipliers, um, they're based on a military idea called force multipliers. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Michigan State University, which makes me a Spartan. So, my favorite story of all time is, of course, the story of the 300 Spartans versus 150,000 Persians. This is in 480 BC. But if you remember the movie or the story, the Spartans held off the Persians for, uh, I think it was two full days. It was a place called Thermopylae. So, how do, you know, 300 spartans hold off uh, an army that's 500 times bigger it doesn't make any sense at all well the spartans chose a real narrow bottleneck to defend so the persians had to pretty much file in single file and fight these guys one-on-one well nobody beats the spartans one-on-one so they totally negated the persians numerical advantage so by choosing you know a really smart piece of of land to defend the Spartans used the land as a force multiplier. So a force multiplier is anything that makes a fighting uh, force more effective. It can be the terrain that you defend. It can be your morale. If you're fighting you know, to defend your home, you're going to fight 10 times harder. It can be your weapons. Um, and things like that. So force multipliers are, are, are cool little things. And so I thought it took me a couple of years to come up with the idea, but I thought, I wonder how I could translate this into marketing. That was just an idea that always went around in the back of my head. Till a couple of years ago, I realized, well, you know, marketing multipliers could be a, a small thing that you add to your marketing, which makes it more effective. And we've just spent a few minutes talking about an example of a force, a marketing multiplier, rather, which is a thank you note. It's a little thing, right? But it makes a big difference in your marketing for, for less than a buck. It, it, it makes an outsized um, effect on what you're doing. So marketing multipliers are typically small actions that deliver big results. They're typically no cost or very low cost. I like get like a thank you note. They're often tangible too, which is a third element. They uh, Something you can hold physically as opposed to online marketing, which is all digital and virtual. So marketing multipliers are really tools to make the rest of your marketing more effective, and so what I do every month uh, for, and I wrote a book by the same name, by the way, it's called Marketing Multipliers, and inside are eleven example tools to grow your business. So thank you note know, being one of them with a with a story that makes it you know, more exciting. But marketing multipliers are typically tools that replace my expensive copywriting skills. Not everybody can afford you know ten twenty uh, seventy eight thousand dollars to hire me, but they can certainly afford. 29 you know, 95 a month, which is what this, the subscription is to marketing multipliers. And so every month I give folks a tool to try to replace an expensive skill. And that's kind of the, the philosophy behind marketing multipliers.
0: And you can get the book on Amazon, correct?
1: Yes, you can. It's uh, been available for just a couple months now, and it is available on Amazon. Or if people keep listening, uh, I'll tell you how to get a copy for free. Awesome. How about that?
0: That, that sounds great. I uh, I think people would like a free copy. Because I love these ideas, too, because they're so often, uh, you know, coming back to your story before about the banner, there's so often that little one thing that can mm-hmm. change a business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always talk about the story of, of the guy that goes in to fix the expensive piece of equipment. Exactly. And, you know, and... and it's just one tap of a hammer and charges the guy $10,000 mm-hmm. and it's like, it's just knowing <laughs> where to tap is, is exactly is the value of it. And and that's awesome that you, you have that. Um, what are some other marketing multipliers or, you know, even let, let's go back to copywriting because copywriting is so important. You know, are there little things that people can do in their copy that if they're, if they have to do it themselves or if they hire a junior copywriter That that can make a big difference.
1: Yeah, a couple ideas I can give you right now. Um, I just did this for a a client who's paying me a nice chunk of change, is to record your best sales rep uh, making a sale and if you're the sales rep record yourself you need to have legal permission of course but so this is a company I'm working for now as of monday <laughs> and i've done some research on them so i already know what i i think i'm going to say but i had one of their sales reps record a call where he closed a sale for their software they sell a cloud software it's highly complex but uh, i'm going i'm having it transcribed as we speak so it's probably going to come out to be about I don't know, 12, 20 pages of, of stuff. And in that 12 to 20 pages, I'm going to pull out at least, I don't know, 10, 20 bullet points. And I'm going to find objections that this sales rep overcame, things that are typically stopping people from buying, but which he successfully overcame. And so the first bit of advice I would give you is to you know record yourself making a sale or two or three or have you know your sales team do it and then transcribe the thing and right there with very little editing you can probably get a pretty serviceable sales letter and that would be the you know the do it yourself frankenstein solution for copywriting I'll tell this to 100 people, and maybe two will do it. So, I'm, I'm not, I don't think this is ever going to put me out of business because everyone I tell this to says, That's great, do it for me. So, I'm happy to share this with you. And you know what? When you pay me 10, 20 grand, I'm just going to do it for you. But I'm telling you what I'm going to do I'm going to record something. And the other thing I do is I record all my clients. I interview them for like, you know, 30, 45, 60 minutes, just as you and I are talking here. I record the thing, transcribe it, and boom, again, more uh, selling points on paper. So, that's. My first, you know, open secret, anybody who's good does something similar to this. The second one would be, and this will really, we've talked about simplifying a couple times. This will simplify anything that you write. It's to read it out loud. And this is like the thank you note. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I've heard that before. Well, are you doing it, right? No, you're probably not. So read your writing out loud. Not in your head, just out loud. If people think you're crazy, you know, go off somewhere when you read your writing out loud, it will instantly improve itself. You'll say something out loud and you'll say, I wouldn't say that. Or you'll say something like, you know, recognize and you'll change it to see or ramification and you'll change it to, you know, outcome or effect or whatever. You'll just simplify the stuff automatically by reading it. And um, that is the way, that's the easiest way to simplify your writing that I know. The other thing, I guess third would be to use Use time as an editor, meaning write it in the morning, edit it in the afternoon. After we hang up here, I've got to edit a sales letter that I wrote this morning. I've been letting it sit for six hours, and I'll probably let it sit another 24 hours. So when you can just use time as your editor, you'll come back to something with fresh eyes. You'll fix the headline. You'll improve on it. You'll uh, polish the copy. So time is kind of a secret editor of most uh, really good copywriters. I'll typically let something sit for a day or two to uh, improve upon it when I look at it a second time. Your first draft will never, ever, ever, ever be your best draft. First rhymes with worst when it comes to drafts, and that's fine. But if you let it sit and come back to it objectively a day or two later, you'll improve it 100% of the time without fail. So those are three ideas. You asked me for one. Sorry. No, that's
0: I, overshot, that's I overshot, super-
1: overshot the mark.
0: I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when it comes to working with clients, I mean, I, you know, we talk a lot about stories, stories are critical to my business. And I mean, it's the, it's obviously the best marketing out there. We, I don't, we need to harp on that. Um, uh, but how do you go about finding your client stories or how do you go about helping people find their stories?
1: That's a great question. I know you do a lot of work with videos and, and storytelling, so you're, um, sympathetic to this idea. In many cases, my client's best stories are the ones that they overlook, or poo-poo. Um, case in point, I'm going to ca- camouflage the client's name, for because I just heard him ta- say the story. But I said, why did you call your company that? You have an unusual company name. Turns out it was uh, the company president who's been dead for some years. His uh, wife was a belly dancer, and her stage name was this company's name and i thought that's in i said well i don't know if i can say that but keep going and she said well it also means uh rose in hebrew and so well, that's interesting and I, we went further and deeper and we got some rationale on why the business was started and what the company owner was thinking so i'm going to use that in the copy i'm not sure how but i'm going to work in not the belly dancing part i don't think that's going to help but <laughs> the idea that you know it means he- it means rose in hebrew so this is something that she's never been asked and uh it's it's just a matter of the, the other thing. The, the reason I like to record calls so much is people will always always at the end. If you give them this question, is there anything else I didn't ask you that you'd like to talk about, or what do you think I'm missing? I always at, ask an open ended question like that at the end of an interview. It's back to my um, experience writing for the newspaper for ten years. You know, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? And that's where you'll find gold. A lot of the time, people will say, "Well, yeah, I started this business because you know my son drowned." and i wanted to start a fund to you know to support uh, college uh, scholarships for local kids i mean there's actually a client i had who started his business that way and so when you work that into the copy then you have a you know your client is totally unique people will get the emotional aspects of why this business exists and they want to hear the story of how his late son died and why he's in business so i think um the best stories are probably not going to be on the surface. You kind of have to scratch to get at them. And most people have either told it so many times that they're bored with it, or maybe they've just been thinking about it, you know, all day every day for thirty years, and again they're bored with it. They'll think that someone else doesn't care about this story. But most of the best stories I find, I kind of have to dig and just ask, well, why is that? And then ask, you know, ask, ask why three or four times, and you'll probably get at the truth in a lot of cases. Why well, did you do that? Well, why was that? And um, the stories are there. You just have to dig. But, yeah, as you said, stories are, you know, going back to our caveman days. As soon as people could talk, they started telling stories. Did you see that mastodon that, you know, Og caught? Wow. I mean, <laughs> he, he jumped off a tree and, and knifed it between the eyes. is incredible. And so people were telling stories as soon as they could communicate. So it's really part of our DNA. It's, it's hardwired into our brains. And when you tell a story about something, uh, people's sales resistance falls away completely. They have no resistance to selling if it's embedded in a story. They're just going to listen. It's uh, you know if you wanted if you say hey have you got thirty seconds I'd like to tell you how to save five hundred bucks on a car people will hang up on you.
0: <laughs> but if you
1: say something like hey you, this is crazy but my neighbor's got this gold covered cattle colored Cadillac and can I tell you the story of what, you know, something like that is going to get more interest yep. than it, it, it's, it's the difference between a frontal assault and an indirect assault, a flanking maneuver, back like to military tactics. You'll <laughs> often find that trying to make a, a frontal assault on the prospect is really not ultimately as effective as trying to do a flanking maneuver or, um, just go, you know, hit them where their sales resistance
0: ain't, I guess you could say. Awesome. Um, so, you know, we're, we're getting to the end, and uh, is there anything that we missed?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Hey. Well, geez, now my mind's got free reign. We know, what are we gonna, I can talk about a million and one things here. I think um, at the end of the day, um, ideally, if you're doing your marketing right, uh, sales are unnecessary. That's the, I think Peter Drucker had the, the, the great quote. The, the aim of marketing is to make selling superfluous or unnecessary. Um, and that means if you've got the right offer and you're making it to the right people at the right time, it's it's hard not to sell a thing. So that's ultimately my goal as a marketer is to help my clients make irresistible offers to the perfect uh, market. And you know, when we do our jobs correctly as marketers,
0: the selling kind of takes care of itself. <laughs> my son just came running out. Uh, (laughs) you're going to be like the
1: the South Korean professor whose kids and and spiced up his interview that's quite okay you know three or four months ago that wouldn't have been so kosher but uh, good work
0: (laughs) wish this were on video I know (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah that's that's such a great great point that marketing gets rid of selling Um, and but having those full marketing plans so let's uh, you know let's talk about your marketing multipliers. You said we could possibly get it free. You can certainly do that. Yeah. So now you're talking I'm going to I'm going to go over to radio commercial
1: mode here, right? I am I'm, like, I'm putting this hat on. It's a <laughs> Seriously, what I have is um it's for sale on Amazon, but um I have a website. It's www.marketingmultipliers.com. And if folks want to go over there, you can request a, a free trial box of Marketing Multipliers. You get 11 tools inside. It comes by U.S. mail. You have to be in the United States. Uh, that's a limitation right now because I also send food in the thing. I'll give you a, a hint that you're going to get more than marketing. You're going to get some yummy stuff. And you can try that for a buck, just a dollar. If you like it, stick with it. It's only twenty nine ninety five a month. If you don't, cancel any time, and uh, that's it. If you do that, however, and you mentioned that you uh, you saw this on the – you heard about this on the Garlic Marketing Show. Just reply to your email receipt and say, hey, I heard this uh, on the Garlic Marketing Show. I will ship you a free copy of my book, Marketing Multipliers. Um, and that'll come at no cost, so you'll save uh, about 15 bucks plus shipping. So don't buy it on Amazon. Go over to www.marketingmultipliers.com and request your free trial box and just uh, send me an email telling me that you heard about this on the current marketing show. I'll send you a free copy of my book.
0: Awesome. Awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was awesome. And uh, we'll have to have you back to talk more copy again Uh, Anytime, Ryan. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening, to Kevin and I, and taking us on your journey. Make sure to check out marketingmultipliers.com. You can just click on the image. Um, If you're listening to this on your uh, iPhone, and it'll flip over in the show notes. There'll be a link right to it. And you'll be able to get some yummy treats and an awesome book. I mean, (laughs) for a dollar. Can't beat that. (laughs) Not with a stick. (laughs) Not with a stick. Thanks a lot, Kevin, and thank you all for listening. Thank you, Ian. Take care, everybody. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.